again this evening for worship. Those joining online, we welcome you to church this afternoon. Those in-house, we welcome you together as well. Let's sing an old Christmas carol hymn. Oh, come, let us adore him.
few moments. We're going to have uh, a word of prayer and then a special song. Kind Heavenly Father, we do thank you and praise your holy name for this opportunity to come before you. Lord, be with us tonight. Touch us. You know the needs. I pray that you will answer all the prayers and all the requests that are turned in. Continue to abide with us. Help the minister to say the words that he would have him to say. They'll touch our hearts. And we can take those words and use them as we go forward from here, Lord. For we ask in Jesus' holy, precious name. Amen. again for worship this evening. Thank you, Brother Randy, for giving us that selection tonight.
are you thankful for the love of God tonight? You may be seated briefly in the presence of the Lord this evening. I want to read uh, really quickly this evening a thank you note before we go. And while you're while I read this, you can go ahead and go to the book of Psalms, chapter 116. The book of Psalms, chapter 116. It says, thank you. Your kindness may seem simple to you, but meant everything to me. Thank you for all the prayers, for our speedy recovery, and the get well cards. I am so blessed to have all of you in my life love Sister Ann Krause. And if you know, Sister Ann has been battling uh, double pneumonia over the last couple weeks. And uh, she was at church today, thank the Lord, but uh, and is here tonight as well. But uh, she, is, uh, she is thanking the church for all the calls and prayers and things like that. Prayer still works, y'all. Still works. And... Um, for those of you that have been with me, obviously, on Sunday mornings and throughout the week, we have been on a series called The Characters of Christmas. We've been talking about different people, but uh, those of you also that are in here, you know we are collecting items for our OWL ministry, Outreach with Love. So this Wednesday night, we're having a packing party. It's real simple. We're not providing you any food. We're just making you work. That's what this is. Uh, we may have coffee just because Brother Randy's here, so you'll probably have coffee. Uh, but if you want your own uh, danishes and donuts, just bring them for everybody when you come. Uh, but we're going to have it this Wednesday night at six, uh, excuse me, at 7 p.m. in the Fellowship Hall where we'll pack all of our shut-ins and seniors' Christmas gift bags. we got a lot to pack, so come with your working gloves on. There is a lot of stuff to pack. Uh, and uh, so we're going to need all hands on deck to do that uh, for this week. Uh, those that are watching online, don't forget you can always download uh, an app called Our Church. And then under that tab, download Santee Circle COG, and it is literally our app on your phone right there. All information regarding anything happening on at the church, whether it's Christmas parties or anything like that, is on the SanteeCircleCOG.org website. If you missed a service, don't worry. You can always watch it online on Monday uh, on the website, or you can always go back and watch it on our Facebook and YouTube channel, Santee Circle COG. Or you can always subscribe to our Google and Apple podcast, and when we upload it on Monday morning, it will literally notify you you have a new podcast, and you can hear that service right there on your phone uh, when you're doing whatever it is you're doing. Uh, and so there's always opportunities for that. As always, we have multiple platforms for those online and in-house to give to help further the ministry of the church here in-house, by mail, on an app, online, or you can just hand it to me. I'll take that too. Uh, that's a fifth option you have on the table. And uh, also our Characters of Christmas series, we're about two weeks in, got about two weeks to go, so don't miss that today, uh, to this week coming up on Sunday. This is our Christmas Sunday coming up on the 20th, or 19th, and, um, and then uh, we'll have another one on the 26th to finish out the Christmas season. It's hard to believe. In two weeks, I'll be at January. It's hard to believe. Uh, I don't know if that's a blessing or a cursing at this point, but... Uh, you know, blessing, yes. It's always a blessing to see another new year. Um, uh, so uh, we're excited about it. God's done a lot for us here at the church in 2021. And I'm just believing he's going to do more in 2022 and further. So we're going to believe God for that. Psalms 116, one verse of scripture, verse 12. And you stand for the reading of God's word. I want to ask you a question tonight. Not really me, but this is what the psalmist David asked of God or asked to God. He said, what can I render, or some translations will say, what will I be able to give unto the Lord for all that he's done for me? 
Now this translation says, what shall I render unto the Lord for all his benefits towards me? But some renditions will say, what can I give back to God for all he's done for me? You know, we're getting ready to end 2021. That's a really good question to ask these times of the year. I know January is when you know you do your New Year's resolutions and you talk about you're going to go to the gym that you're never going to actually go to. You know, y'all do that. You know what I'm talking about. You're going to subscribe to Planet Fitness and you're only going to go till about February and then you cancel your subscription. You ain't going back. It just was a good idea for the moment. But not just in January, but every day of the year, this is not a bad question every so often ask ourselves, what can I give back to God for basically all he's given back to me throughout this year? And so in looking at that perspective scripture, I want to talk on a Christmas theme off that scripture. I want to talk to you tonight about a gift that keeps on giving. A gift that keeps on giving. You know, I like gifts that keep giving. I like when, you know, there's two things I like. I like it when money just keeps going into my bank account. And I, I didn't even put it there. Automatic drive. I mean, automatically deposit. Just put it. I'm like, man, I didn't even know I was getting paid this week. That's great. What I don't like is when it automatically deducts it out for the bill. I don't like that part of the equation. But we all like gifts. Wouldn't you like it if somebody said, hey, I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you a gift this year. I'm going to give you $100 a month for the next year. Wouldn't you like that? That's a gift keeps on giving. Don't get excited. I'm not offering that tonight, but I'll just tell you, that's a good gift if you got that. If anybody offers you that, you better get that notarized and signed in, in paper, on paper. But I want to, looking at a perspective of Christmas, when I asked the question, or Thomas David asked the question of the Lord, what can I give to God for all his benefits towards me? When we talk about that word benefits, I want to look at it from the perspective of God giving us a gift we can't explain. He gave us his best. He gave us Jesus. The very best. So when we read that scripture, what can I give Lord for all his benefits towards me? What if we substituted instead of his benefits? What if we said, what could I possibly give God for him giving his best for me? That changes the whole dynamic of that scripture now. God gave his best, and most of the time we give God leftovers. We, give, we don't give God fresh stuff. We give God, oh, I'm tired. Let me give you a now I lay me down to sleep kind of prayer and go on and get over this. What if God just gave us a just random person out of heaven? He didn't give us his best. He, just gave, he wouldn't do the same job that Jesus did. So I want to preach a message on a gift that keeps on giving. Heavenly Father, to the very best of my ability, I'm asking you to hide me behind the cross of Calvary. Help me to preach your word to the people of God today. Let the words of my mouth and meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. And you anoint me, not as someone special, but as someone touched by the hand of God. To preach your word. Open eyes, hearts, and ears to hear this word. Let us not only be hearers of this word, but doers as well. We will forever give you the praise, the glory, and the honor that is due your name. In Christ Jesus our Lord and the people of God together said amen. Amen. You may be seated. What can I offer the Lord for all he's done for me? See, I like, I like Christmas, contrary to most of y'all in this church's popular belief. Most of y'all to go to church with me think I'm, not, I'm Ebenezer Scrooge. I am not Ebenezer Scrooge. I just like to get through Thanksgiving before I get to Christmas. Some of y'all, y'all are already in the Christmas spirit in July. That's too early. If I'm sweating, it ain't beginning to look a lot like Christmas. That's not how that goes. I like it. When I think of Christmas, I think of Eskimos. That should be cold. I should be wrapped up and 
my little fuzzy blankets we give out to all the old people. At the thing, we gave all these little blankets out last night to people. They, they were fighting over a bag full of blankets. I ain't never in my life seen nobody in all my life. We had a Christmas party for church. Everybody fighting over a blanket. I'm like, my Lord, y'all, they were only $5 at Walmart. I'll buy you one. Goodness gracious, you got a blanket? I want all the other stuff. They had giant Hershey kisses and things like that. I was like, go for the chocolate. Don't go for the blanket. But I guess if you, got the, if you eat the chocolate, you'll have to buy a bigger blanket. So that's going to be more money. I don't know how that works, but it just how it seems to go. But I do like Christmas. And one of the things I like about Christmas is I like seeing the excitement and joy on people's faces when, when they receive a gift. Now, for many years, uh, uh, I have had the privilege uh, of oftentimes, especially at my former uh, ministry assignment, of finding, whether it's through the Salvation Army or an angel tree, of adopting somebody. They don't know me from Adam's house cat, but I would find their name or a stocking and I would submit it anonymously, but I would get to go shopping for somebody I'd never met in my life. That is every woman's dream. Except I'm not a woman, obviously. But every woman likes to shop for other people. Mostly for themselves too, but they like to shop. But I got excited about it because I could never I knew I would never actually see this little boy or this little girl's face. But I knew that they weren't expecting this gift. So on Christmas morning, when they got there and they made their little wish list with Salvation Army or their angel trees, they're not thinking because, you know, they might be orphaned or they might be uh, in some kind of halfway house of some sort. They're not expecting anything. But I could just imagine on my face when they got up Christmas morning and everything that was in their stocking on their list, they got to open it up and they got everything in their list. I could just imagine, Brother James, the look on their face. I never got to see it, obviously. But I just could imagine the sure, exhilarating smile that would just permeate like they really do believe Santa exists because he brought them everything they asked. You know, I shared with you this morning briefly about the characters of Christmas in terms of Mary and Joseph. Nobody was excited, though, when Jesus got here. Nobody. In fact, as I shared this morning, Mary didn't expect, uh, Mary had an unplanned pregnancy. Joseph had an unexpected message thinking, I'm not ready to be a stepfather of a baby that I'm not the baby's daddy of. And the people were unprepared. Everybody's going about business as usual, doing their own thing. They come to Bethlehem. They get stuck in a barn. They have a baby out back in a barn. They wrap it up in a horse cloth and put it in a straw bed of hay that's in a manger for the sheep and the goats and everything else to eat. That was the first, if you will, crib or or, or, or pack and play or whatever you want to call it that they stuck him in. That was real comfortable. He didn't even get an air mattress, y'all. He got hay. It wasn't even, you know, it wasn't even a nice mattress with a cover on it. Nobody came outside and said, hey, can we lend you a hand? Can we help you? Why don't you take my room for the night? After she had the baby, nobody came out to Mary and Joseph and said, Hey, why don't you let's go come to our house tonight? We'll take you in. Nobody offered any extension of God's hand and feet. He said, Nobody offered to lend a helping hand. Now, I've often thought about that in the perspective of Christmas. In Christmas, all the crazy people come out. I don't know what happens to people at Christmas. It's like their alter ego comes out. It's like Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde. For the first 11 months of the year, they're the nicest person you ever meet. December 1st rolls around, and you think, oh, my God, you're the spawn of Satan. You're horrible. You'd be ramming each other with buggies, knocking each other down. Man, you'd be drop-kicking people in the parking lot for a $5 off coupon for a TV. Like, they'd be killing people. Black Friday shopping, man, they even got cyber money to get online. Man, they'd be, like, clotheslining people down the aisle. I literally, a couple years ago, decided out of stupidity, uh, later that I figured out it was stupid to go out and try that crowd I thought well hey I don't need anything but I'm going to go out there and test the waters that's the stupidest idea I've ever done in my life I went to Walmart y'all they had these TVs I didn't even need one but they had these TVs 55 60 inch flat screens 
They were on some ridiculous sale. And I uh, I saw this lady. They were all standing in line. I saw this lady had one in her buggy. When this little lady coming by, and she comes to the sales associate, she said, I want one of those. And she said, we're out. We only had a limited number. They only give us so many for the promo, and we're out. The lady said, oh, I really, you know, and they argued back and forth. I'm standing there listening to the conversation. And so a few minutes later, the lady goes, oh, well, this other lady that had it in her buggy stopped at another spot in electronics. Y'all, this is God's honest truth. She turned around to get some video game. That same woman walked right by and just went, whoop, right out of the cart and took it right out. So being the righteous indignation preacher that I was at the time, I wasn't saved, but I was working through my salvation with fear and trembling. Uh, I was just an associate pastor, so I didn't have to be quite as saved as I was now and uh, the role that I play now. So I waited, and I waited till that lady stopped to get something, and I just went, whoop, and ran it right back to the other lady in electronics, dropped it in her buggy, and she's looking at me funny. I said, trust me, honey, it wasn't in your buggy a while ago. You better take this, and you better go. And I gave her her TV back. Now, to this day, I don't know that lady, when she turned around, that stole the TV. I, to this day, don't know how she feels, and she probably said some very choice words about me. That's okay. I didn't hear them. But, but at that moment, she was taking that gift from someone else. I mean, it just the sure... But, I mean, just over a TV, I mean, just arguing and fighting and fussing because everybody in this seems like Christmas has now become a more commercialized holiday than a celebrated holiday of what it really means. And what happened was some people, see, people get this all jacked up. See, we all like, oh, happy birthday, Jesus, December 25th. He wasn't born in winter, y'all. We, we even got it wrong on the calendar. Shepherds would have not been in the field in the winter. It would have been snowing. In, in Israel in that day it had been so cold they wouldn't have been able to stay all night because shepherds didn't leave the sheep out in the fields for the wolves to take them they go back home and sleep and come back the next morning hope they're still there they slept with the sheep it would have been too cold so it would have been spring maybe even early summer when this happened so we're a little off on our Greco-Roman calendar here of all that kind of stuff but with that being said we still celebrate at this time of the year nobody comes out and offers to bring anything Nobody offers extensions of hands. Everybody is busy as usual going about their lives in that day doing what they wanted to do, caring about no one else but themselves. Can I tell you, not much has changed in 2,000 years. People today still are going about business as usual, doing what they think they want to do for themselves. They don't care about you. They don't care about me. They're not looking out for their fellow man. They're more. And I'm not talking about the world, y'all. I'm talking about church people do that. Church people, it's it, it's amazing how even in the church world, I'm not talking about just a, a, a one specific church at one specific location. I'm talking about the universal church. It don't matter what denomination. I'm talking about universally speaking. It would shock you to know how many people that sit on our pews and come to our Christmas parties and come to our Easter egg extravaganzas and come to our faith family friends, uh, faith family freedom days and come to our Harvest Festival family fest and all that stuff and claim to have the big badge of Christianity wrote across their doorpost of their heart. But it would scare us sometimes to know how vile and how condescending, how narcissistic, how self-centering they are when it comes to what they want. They don't care. They only want what's best for them. You know how I know that? Because stuff like this happens. I don't like that song. I'm not going to church this week. I'm not going back to that church because that preacher, that preacher preaches too hard. I'm not going back to that church because that's too, those people, they just, they just think it's all about emotionalism. I'm not going back there. They got a full band up there. And I don't think we need all those instruments on stage. I'm not going back to that church. They don't sing all the old songs. I'm not going to that church because they don't sing anything but old songs. You can't please anybody, can you? I'm not going back to the church because they keep it cold. They keep it hot. They keep it lukewarm. They don't turn it on at all. See, you know what they're saying in a nice way? It's about me. I wasn't comfortable. It wasn't what I wanted. That, nowhere in that sentence did it say, 
anything about God, about praying for that church, or praying for that pastor, or praying for that music team, or, or pray. No, no, no. It was just about what their preferences was and they don't like. That's not the world. That's the church. Mary has this baby. One thing I learned about a gift, a gift is not, now don't misunderstand what I'm about to say, but a gift is not quite as special if I know what the gift is before I get it. It kind of defeats the purpose. It's kind of like if, if, if somebody was going to buy you something and they come and say, hey, by the way, I bought you this back, surprise, when I give it to you. That kind of let the fun out the bag, didn't it? It's kind of like, oh, thank you. Yay. And no matter how much you try to be like, woohoo, it doesn't matter. You already know what's coming. But it's something different when you don't expect it and it's out of nowhere. Uh, uh, there's an old, uh, I think it's a French word actually, uh, that is called a Circe. You know what that is? A random gift you didn't expect to get. Just random. It has no rhyme or reason. It's not your birthday. It's not Christmas. It's not some anniversary. It's not a, a Circe gift. It's just a random thing that somebody gave you and said, hey, I just want to give it to you. Man, those things make you feel like you're on cloud nine. They just make you feel like you're something special. Because it was... Nothing else but somebody was thinking about you. But in order to have a, a good gift, one of the things you have to do is you have to wrap the gift. You wrap it. Now, you could be cruel like some people I know and just wrap empty boxes for people and let them open it up and they just shred the paper and open up the box and there's nothing in it. And then you go, oh, that's not really your gift. It's in the garage. <laughs> I've done that before. I just want to see their reaction. And the gift was too big to wrap. I didn't want to waste that much scotch tape. So it was all right. I figured I'd open up a box and say it's outside. Go get it out there. And uh, so, so, but a good gift is wrapped. Well, God knew that, so he made sure his gift was wrapped. Because the Bible says that Jesus was wrapped in swaddling clothes. I don't know how you define the word wrapped, but the Bible's wrapped is about the same as ours. It was wrapped. So it was encased. It was enclosed. It was swallowed. It was literally covered up. The Bible says that you will find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in. God put his, God even wrapped his gift to us. All we had to do was go find it and open up the gift. It was there, wrapped up. It even had a star above it, just like the Christmas tree. It had a star above him. It couldn't have been more Christmas than that. A special gift. In fact, the Bible says God gave us a special gift, probably the most quoted and probably the most famous scripture of all time tells us that. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave not one of his sons and had five more in the closet out back that he could choose from later. No, God gave his only begotten son that whosoever would believe in him should not perish but have eternal life. What he's saying is God didn't have any other people. He gave the only thing he had, the best thing. He didn't send Gabriel. He didn't send Michael as an archangel. He didn't send Abraham. He didn't send Jonah. He didn't send Moses. He sent Jesus Christ, his only begotten son, the very best of the best. If God gave us his best, why pray tell do we think we should give God less than that? Why? Gave us his best. He even wrapped it, put it under the confines of a stable. So when you give a gift to someone, it is special. It means something. I've learned a long time ago that sometimes it's not about the gift itself or even the amount of money that it costs for the gift. It's just about the thought behind the gift. I've seen some people get cherish some of the cheesiest gifts, if you will, but it had to do with who gave it to them why they gave it to them, 
and they cherish it. I mean, stuff like rooster coffee cups. Who, 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 like, looking forward to getting a rooster coffee cup? But when your grandmama gave you a rooster coffee cup on your sixth birthday, and she's gone on to be with the Lord, and you went back and you cleaned out one of the old storage sheds out back, and you opened up a box, and there's a rooster coffee cup in there, it means more now. Back then, it was like, that's the ugliest thing, Grandma, you could ever gave me for Christmas. You went to Dollar Tree and got that, didn't you? But now that Dollar Tree coffee mug means a whole lot more now because of who it was and the meaning behind it. Doesn't matter how much it was, it was who gave it to you. God didn't even go to Dollar Tree to find a replacement. He gave the most expensive and the greatest he could ever give. See, sometimes it's not about the size of the gift or the amount of the gift. Let me give you a couple examples of people who would be appreciative of gifts. What if you were blind? I wonder if you would be like the blind man in the Bible who would be thrilled when God gives you a gift of sight again. What if you were deaf and you couldn't hear what was going on tonight? You only saw word, you only saw mouths moving and maybe someone up here signing you the message. But what if instantaneously your ears opened up and for the first time you could hear without having to have assistance? What if your tongue was mute and had no ability to make sounds and God opened your mouth and allowed you to speak? What if you were wounded? Had an injury, got a surgery lined up, got a doctor's appointment lined up, and when you went for the final follow-up, the doctor looks again and says, let me take one more x-ray and says, by the way, never mind, we're not doing surgery, you're healed. How much would you appreciate that gift? If you, don't appre- if you wouldn't appreciate that, then you got more money than you got sense, because I'm telling you, it's expensive to go to surgery. What if you were troubled in heart? I wonder how the gift of peace, how much that would mean to you to be able to sleep all night without having to stress about what tomorrow is going to bring. What if you were discouraged? What if you were depressed, downtrodden? I wonder when you lay on your bed at night and tears stain your pillowcases, I wonder what the gift of joy would be like knowing that weeping lasts for a night but joy comes in the morning. I wonder what the gift of joy would mean to you knowing it's not going to always be this way. What if people out there in this world, I'm not talking about the ones just living out under the bridges in downtown Charleston or the people that are homeless, I'm talking about people that have Fortune 500 salaries and drive Lexuses and Mercedes and live in three and four hundred thousand dollar, five thousand, six hundred thousand dollar homes, but inside they are empty and lonely. They got all the goods, but they feel alone on an island. I wonder to them what the gift of just having someone present to just be with would mean. I wonder if people this year, when they look back on 2021, at Things they've lost, maybe a loved one, a spouse, a family member. I wonder what it would be to give, what they would give to have a gift or just one more day. Just one more day with that person. What that would amount to. See, it's not about the size or the money. Sometimes it's about the intent and meaning of the gift given. Jesus is given to the world. After 12 years. God unwraps his gift in a temple. At 12 years old, the Bible says Jesus walks into a temple. The scholars are all sitting around having a discussion, and Jesus starts talking to them. Mary and Joseph forget the kid. They go a day's journey. They halfway back home, realize, oh, snap, we're we supposed to have a kid with us, aren't we? Y'all, that's, that, you go to jail for that nowadays. You better take your kids with you, y'all. Don't take nobody else's kids. Take your own. Don't take nobody else's. That'll get you in jail, too. They go home. They're the, they the best parents. I'm thinking, I read that story one time. I thought, Lord, you picked the people. That was really the best people in the planet you could pick for your own son. They left, you, they left your own son, Lord. 
I mean, they got the Lord incarnate, God's own son, and they're like, bye, Felicia, and leave you. How? How do you forget God's there? How do you miss the presence of God? I've often wanted, I've asked that question one time in a sermon. I said, how can you not recognize the presence of God is no longer traveling with you? How do you not know it? Then it dawned on me, but how many times do we go to church and we don't recognize God's not there either? We just go through the motions. Maybe it's not so hard as we think. They go back and get him. Mary's fit to be tied. She's like, Jesus, your father and I are worried about you. First of all, that ain't my daddy, mama. That's my stepdaddy. Just let's clarify that. Secondly, what are you doing? You're giving us a heart attack. You say, Mom, what do you think I had? I mean, don't you know I'd be about my father's business? In a nice way, what he's saying is, hey, Mom, I'm in church. Why are you yelling at me? That's where every mama wants her kid to go to church. I'm in church. Mama, be happy. I'm in church for crying out loud, Mama. He's amazing. The Bible said he grew in wisdom and stature and found favor with God. Man, he confounded the scholars as a twelve. God unwrapped his gift again. You know what? They weren't impressed, though. They were like, yeah, that's great. Okay, whatever. Still not really wanting the gift. So I learned something about a gift. A gift can be received, but a gift can also be rejected. Some people don't accept a gift. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord it's absolutely free to have a relationship with Jesus Christ it's absolutely free to say a sinner's prayer it's absolutely free to say God I am a sinner I'm in need of a savior please forgive me it's absolutely free to go to heaven Jesus already paid the tab he already put the tip on the tab he paid the whole bill there's nothing we owe it's absolutely free and yet still people won't take up on him on that offer it don't cost them anything. And they still say, no, I don't want that gift. Could you imagine if someone walked in to a room and you had bought them a gift you were so proud of? You thought you had got them a gift they'd love. And you hand it to them. They open it up with excitement. As soon as they see it, they hand it back to you and said, I don't want that. I don't want that. Take that trash, put it somewhere else. I don't want that. Could you imagine the feeling of your heart sinking in your chest? The devastation you would feel? In that moment, I spent time, I spent money, I spent effort. I thought I had a good, I spent effort behind this. It cost me something to give you something. And you reject it. That's how God's son probably feels many days. He gave us his very best, and yet people every day basically proverbially turn their back at God and say, I don't want your gift anymore. I don't want that. I also learned something about gifts. Gifts, you can reject them. You can accept them. You can also exchange them for something better or what you think is better you don't want. Those are the kind of gifts a lot of people like. They want the gift receipt still in the bag or they want to kind of figure out where it came from so they don't hurt the person's feelings but they can go back to bilk and exchange it out and not tell nobody that's what they did. Because they don't really like the gift but they don't want to hurt their feelings. They exchange the gift. After Jesus grew in wisdom and stature with God and man, for over 30 years he walked on this earth teaching and sharing the gospel of Jesus, sharing the gospel of the Lord, telling them about a better place called heaven. Shortly thereafter, they go to a feast of Passover. Jesus celebrates a final meal with his 
disciples, men that have traveled with him for three and a half years. Jesus tells them, we call it the Lord's Supper or communion. Jesus tells them, listen, uh, I won't no longer be doing any of this until I'm glorified in heaven. This is my last go-round with you guys. One of you is going to betray me and all that stuff. The gift had been wrapped in swaddling clothes. The gift had been basically offered at a temple, but then, if you will, kind of, yeah, whatever. But standing before Pilate's hall, the crowd decides they don't like the gift that's being presented to them. Pilate says, I can't find anything wrong with this man. He's done nothing wrong. There's no reason for me to kill him. None. Y'all on a witch hunt? This ain't nothing but a witch hunt. Y'all, y'all just mad. I don't even, the man's fed y'all. He's provided for y'all. He's done nothing. Y'all can say he's psychotic, crazy in the head, whatever. But that doesn't mean he's got to go die over it. That's not worthy of death. I'm not doing it. You know what they said about the gift? Can we make an exchange? Go read it. Can we make an exchange? What do you mean? Well, every year at the Feast of Passover, we're all, we're eligible to release a prisoner. Y'all go read it in the Bible. This is the story. Pilate brings out a notorious thief and murderer. This man ain't just steal your stuff. He'll kill you and stake your stuff from you. It's bad when you rob dead people. Yo, that's pretty bad. I've been there and done that. I've seen people in a coffin. I've seen kids come up and take the jewelry right off of grandmama right in the coffin. I'm like, well, the mom, don't take the woman's pearls. That's the last thing she's got. Leave her alone in the casket. Don't take her pearls. They didn't care. I had one lady actually said, well, they ain't going to do her no good six feet down. I'm like, oh, girl, oh, you got to be glad I don't throw you in the box. But I didn't. I didn't do it. Pilate thought he was going to bring out the worst of the worst so that there would be no way. There was no way they're going to pick a murderer and a thief. Jesus, he might be a little crazy to them. They might think he's crazy. But there is no way that they're going to pick a murderer and a thief and a conniver. There's no way they're going to pick him over this man who we can't even find a reason to kill him. So Pilate thinks he's got an escape. He brings out Barabbas and he says, all right, this is the only two you got. You get Jesus, you get Barabbas. You know what they said? We don't like this gift. Give us the murderer. That's called exchanging the gift. They didn't like it. They wanted an exchange, a refund. When they finally got him out of Pilate's Hall after they released Barabbas, the gift got unwrapped. Because the Bible says Pilate summoned them to take Jesus away and to strip him of his garments. He was bare other than a loincloth around his waist, his entire body was exposed. And with the most torturing of devices ever in Roman use was what is known as the cat of nine tails. It literally was a stick that had strips of leather ran in it. And every few inches it would have, towards the front, the end, would have bone and rock. And it would get sharper. And by the end it would be pieces of broken pottery and glass, needle-like nails. Because the goal is when they hit you, they wanted the rock to kind of wrap around you first and loosen the skin and bruise it. And then the claws of the hammer, or the claws of the cat of nine tails, in essence, the, the glass, the broken pottery, and would dig into that, that, that soft, beaten flesh, and when they would pull it, it would rip you open. They did it 39 times. 
to the point that every organ in his physical body was exposed. I mean, you could see straight through him to the other side. He was literally walking, a walking dead man. Most scholars and theologians said if he'd have got hit one more time, he'd have died just because every organ would have got ripped out the next time on impact. It was unwrapped. This time the gift wasn't exchanged. Now the gift is just flat out being rejected. We don't even want it and we're willing to destroy it so we don't have to keep it. They take him up to a place called Golgotha. They put about a 150 to 200 pound beam after he's been exposed. You know, think about it. Think about it and you get a paper cut. And something gets in it and you put alcohol or something on just in a paper cut. Could you imagine if every vital organ and everything in your body is exposed? And you put a unfinished, unpolished, unsanded, not smooth piece of wood with splinters everywhere on fresh open skin. 200 pounds and you push it down a road and tell it to walk. With every staggering step, Jesus falls into sand and rock and debris. Could you imagine the pain that it would feel to just get sand and debris in the orifices of those bodies, cavities? Finally, under the weight, he could not go any further. He crumbled under the weight. He just couldn't go. And they grab a man out of the crowd by the name of Simon of Cyrene. And they say, pick it up, and you take it the rest of the way. They grab Jesus and drag him like a lifeless body down a road for miles they put him on a hill called Calvary and it wasn't bad enough everybody else got to just have ropes wrapped around him they put spikes in him and hands and feet they put him not here that most depictions show you most depictions will tell you it's the center of the palm of his hand that is not true because if they'd have put it in the center of the palm of his hand when he would have exhaled the sheer weight would have pulled him and it would have just slid right through because there's no bone to catch it so they put it here so when it pulled, it would stop on the hand. You have a man that's probably originally, just to say an average man size, let's just say he was 185, 200 pounds, and his entire weight's on a cross, and he starts to be able not to hold himself up for so long, and his sure weight just drops him down and the pain that would go through his body. Still exposed, still on unsanded, unfinished wood, now with metal holding him up like he's an ornament on a wall. Rejected. Can I tell you how good God is? When Jesus finally gets to the point he can speak again, he says a few words. The first thing he says, Father, forgive them. They don't even know what they're doing. That's brassy to say that about somebody when you want to, I'm telling you, if I was in his shoes, I might be dying, but that ain't not what I'd be telling them people when I'm dying. They would know everything I thought about them before I got my breath out, I can promise you. Yet he's worried about their forgiveness. He says, God, why have you forsaken me? He said, after I'm thirsty. But when it all was said and done, the culmination of it all, after he told the servant that he would be with him in paradise, the culmination of it all was one simple statement that he made. Three words. It's finished. It is finished. Done. I did it. I accomplished it. And the Bible said immediately he bowed his head. He died. 
Lightning started flashing, thunder started rolling, earthquakes started happening, graves started opening, dead people started walking out of graves. In Matthew's account, all kinds of pandemonium, the temple veil that was so so woven together that you couldn't pull it apart with the two horses pulling it apart. They just read it like butter and a hot, a, hot, a hot knife and butter. It just tore from top to bottom instantaneously. But let me tell you how good God is. Even when we rejected his gift, you know what he did? He rewrapped the gift. Because the Bible said that Pilate, some of the disciples and some of the people, a righteous man by the name of Joseph of Arimathea shows up and he says, I want the body of Jesus. And I want to take it to my tomb. And the Bible said that Pilate signs off on it. And you know what he does? Joseph of Arimathea takes him, Sister Beulah, and he puts him in linen. And he wraps the corpse body of Christ, our Savior. And he waited. He told the women, hey, you can come by tomorrow or the next day to prepare the body. And they wrap the gift back up. And this time they put it in a borrowed tomb. You would think by now if God sent a gift wrapped and it got exposed and it was rejected and it was exchanged and it was tortured, you would think the last thing God would do was rewrap it. But that's what he did. He rewrapped his own gift. Because God loves us even when we don't love him. We sang it tonight. God really loves us. God loved us when we were still in sin. God loved us even when we didn't want him. He rewrapped his gift. Three days later, we celebrated every Easter. The gift got up, didn't it? The gift got up. In fact, the Bible says that on that third morning before the daybreak, the women were on their way to the tomb to prepare the body of Jesus Christ. And when they went to prepare the body of Jesus Christ, the Bible said when they got to the entrance of the tomb, the stone was rolled away. There was an angel sitting there and said, what are you, Why seek ye the living among the dead? For he is not here. For he is risen just as he said, Go and you tell his disciples that he will meet with them. He is coming again. This time, God didn't let man unwrap his gift. God himself unwrapped his gift and said, It doesn't matter. I don't care. He made sure the world knew what kind of gift he had in out of there he unwrapped that gift and this time this is what the gift said the gift goes and stands on the outskirts of a mount called olives and Jesus stands there and he declares go into all the nations baptized teaching them in the father all that I've commanded you lo I am with you always and he disappears out of thin air like that But he didn't disappear without a plan. The Bible says Jesus said this before he left in John 14. In my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. For I'm going when I leave this place to prepare a place for you so that where I am, you may be also. Thomas said, Lord, how are we going to get there? And Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Anyone that believes in me and what I've done, he will have life and he will be with me. The Bible gives me scripture after scripture that I will have life and I'll have it more abundantly. Christ is coming again. But can I tell you that the next time we had the baby wrapped, we had the baby exposed. We had the baby exchanged. We had the gift wrapped. We had the gift exposed again. But can I tell you here in the near future, before we can even hardly blink an eye and think about it, there's coming a day where the eastern sky is going to split again, and that gift is coming back again. And it's coming back with all power and all glory and all might. And when the gift comes this time, it's not going to be exposed as a wimp. It's not going to be exposed as a dead king. It's not going to be exposed as a beaten foe. But but when it comes, there's nothing this kingdom of this world can do. It will not get killed. It will not get exchanged. It will not get rejected because this gift will be forever 
settled in heaven. So before I close, let me ask you this. What shall I render to the Lord for what he's given me? The answer to that is I worship him. God's given life. He's given joy. He's given peace, healing, food, clothes, health, strength, titles to mansions. How do I know this? And we'll talk about these guys in a couple weeks, so I'm not going to give all of the crux of this. But I know this to be the case because when Jesus was born, shepherds showed up shortly after his birth. But about two years down the road, some other guests show up called the Magi or the Wise Men or Eastern astrologers that studied stars. Because two years ago, they saw a phenomenon in the heavens they couldn't explain. And they went on a two-year journey following a star, trying to figure out what kind of star that was. And it led them to a house where a mother has a toddler sitting on her knee. They walk into that house. But Sister Brenda, they didn't come empty-handed. They brought a gift. Because while Herod didn't realize what kind of gift was in town, and while the world didn't realize what kind of gift was in town... God let it be known to shepherds in the field and to wise men on the other side of the world. He let the world know somebody's going to recognize there's a gift within our in our midst. And see, while the world's busy, can I tell you right now, we're living in a day where the world might be busy, they might be doing their own thing, but God's still coming back for a bride that is spotless and adorned, ready to go. God's still coming back for a church. Some of the world might get left behind, but God's still going to tell people, I've got a gift I want to give to you. It's still accessible, and I'm coming to get you when I come back. The wise men show up. They recognize there's something special because they bring gifts themselves. They bring gold, frankincense, and myrrh. In a couple weeks, we'll talk about the importance of each of those. What can I bring? What gift can I give? What can I render to God for his benefits? Well, I can praise him. I can adore him. See, I've often learned one thing about gifts. Miss Carol, as you make your way as I close. One thing I learned about gifts, the best gift is a gift that has been given in love. Not just an obligatory gift. Not like a gift like I have to because you're my boss. I have to because you're somebody. No, a gift out of love means a whole lot more than a gift out of obligation. God's great, the greatest gift humans ever received was the gift of God's love. God loved me even when I didn't love him. You know what the Bible says? The Bible says God is still married to the backslider. It means he loves people who don't even want to live with him. Think about that. There are more words written about the subject of love. There are more stories told about the subject of love. And more things have been inspired by the word love. A lawyer approached Jesus one time and he said, what is the greatest commandment? Jesus could have picked anything. But he said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind and strength. And the second one is likened unto it. Love your neighbor like you love yourself. But both of them had to do with you love somebody. You see, gifts are worthless and unacceptable unless they're given by a heart of love. We say, well, Pastor, if I worship the Lord, how, how can I do that? You give him yourself. You, you, you can't buy God off. You ain't going to walk up to, tomorrow and win the lottery and come to church and hand it in and that's gonna, God's going to give you a special place in heaven because you did that. No. You can't buy God off. God's already paid the price. There's no buying him off. 
The best gift you can give God is not your money, not your talent, not your, not your house, your cars. It's you. You. Because what will happen is once you, once you give him you, you'll want to give him your money. You'll want to give him your house, your cars. You'll want to give him your time and your talents. Because you gave him you, you'll want to give him all of you. The Bible loves a cheerful giver. The Bible tells us all the time that once I give myself to God, God will continue to bless me. The Apostle Paul said this, Present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to the Lord. This is your reasonable act of worship. Jesus gave his life for mine. Say, Pastor, I don't have a lot of talents. I might have this or I have this. You know, talents are something that are unique to individuals. Not everybody can sing. Not everybody can play an instrument. Not everybody can preach. Not everybody. But, but everybody has something they can do. You might say, Pastor, one thing I know I do is work on a car. You know what? But if you work on some little old lady's car and you don't charge her anything and you tell her have a happy Christmas or Merry Christmas because the love of God is in your heart, and you, you know what you did? You still blessed somebody, so you still did something for God. see to God you know what God thinks is the greatest gift he's ever gotten or what he's the greatest gift he's ever received the Bible says he created everything by speaking it into existence the only thing he actually put his fingerprints on is the formation of mankind he didn't speak you into existence he formed you with his hands which tells me God thinks you're way more special than the dog, the cat, the house, the cars, the flowers, the trees. All of that he spoke, but you he formed. The Bible says in Psalms, the psalmist says, You knit me together in my mother's womb. Before I was even formed, Lord, you knew me. He formed you. You're God's greatest gift. But is he your greatest gift? God thinks you're amazing. God thinks you're special. God thinks you're the best of the best. But do you feel the same way about him? Nobody wants to be in a relationship with someone where they think the one person thinks they're amazing. The other person says, I don't want you. That gets kind of complicated. You don't have to be a rocket scientist to figure out, I like you. I don't. This ain't going to work. That's not going to work. So I pose the question one more time. What are you willing to give to God? See, I could ask you tonight, what do you want for Christmas? And you might be able to tell me, I want this, I want that, and give me a laundry list of materialistic things. But I could also ask you tonight, what do you want from God this Christmas? And for most people, that'd be a tough question to answer. They've not thought about it. But before you start making your laundry list or your hit list, if you will, or wish list of all what you want from God, I wonder if you thought about what could you give God this year instead. Instead of asking God for something, wonder what you could give back to Him instead. The Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians is writing to the church at Corinth, chapter 9. All throughout that scripture, he is writing about instruction and teaching them and in chapter 9, he starts talking about the cheerfulness of givers and how God loves the cheerful giver. And he's talking about honoring God with your, your, your means and resources. When he gets to the end of the chapter, he says this in verse 15, the last verse, he says this, Thanks be to God 
for his indescribable gift. He's not talking about money right there. He changes on a dime in that one statement. He said, thanks be unto God for his indescribable gift. Do you know what he was saying? He says, thanks be to God because the indescribable gift was Jesus Christ. You can't describe him. You can't contain him. You can't put him in a box. They tried to put him in a box. They tried to put him in a tomb. That didn't work. You cannot contain God. He's indescribable. The, the, the apostle John said this. He said, I, I, I saw a new heaven, a new Jerusalem. He tried to describe heaven, but he end, ends up eventually saying, I can't even begin to describe you what this place is. I've done my best to describe it, but this place you want to go, I can't even begin to tell you how amazing this place is. God is a gift that keeps on giving. Jesus is a gift that keeps on giving. The question is, what will you give to the Lord this year for all that he's done for you? What will you do? I can't answer that question for you today. That's not for me to answer. What I can say is that every one of us, whether we want to or not, at some point in our lives, we are going to have to answer that question. Whether we answer it today, tomorrow, or we stand before God himself at his throne and answer it. Every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. He is the Lord. At some point in your life, you're going to have to answer the question, what are you willing to give back to God for all he's done for you? If you give him yourself, you're good. If you choose to be like the crowd and reject him or ask for an exchange, you're going to be disappointed with the results that you get when this is over. You're not going to like them. Hell is not a fun place. It's not a party. It's a place where the Bible says there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. You don't want to go. It's bad. So what are you going to give to God this year for all that he's done for you? Would you bow your heads and you close your eyes before we break this evening? I just simply want to pray a prayer over you today. Because I know that the hustle and bustle of Christmas is coming up. It's impending and a lot of people have plans. But I also am not naive to know that a lot of people will forget Jesus this year during Christmas. He will not be the central focus of this year. It will be the presents and the garland and the lights. It won't be God. So I want to pray for each, including myself, pray that, God, we don't forget the reason why we're here. Thanks be unto God for his indescribable gift, Jesus Christ. Father, to the very best of my ability today, I have tried to convey a message. Not a message that's going to always be a excitable and just make you just want to just run out and save the world the Lord more of a message of reflection what can I give to you and render back to you for all of the blessings and benefits you've given me in my life the answer in short is I'll never be able to repay you for near any of them I can't even begin to make a dent in the debt that I owe you but something I can do that would go a long way towards that is give you me give you my heart give you my time give you my talents give you all of me as my gift to you for the indescribable gift you've given me in your son Jesus God as Christmas is quickly approaching 
don't let us forget the reason of the season. It is not presents. It is not the trinkets and toys and stuff we receive and are unsecure. But it is about a baby that was wrapped in swaddling clothes as a gift. Yes, it was exchanged. Yes, it was rejected. But then it was wrapped up again in better quality. And when it became unwrapped that time, it was an indescribable gift. And in the not-so-near-distant future, we are going to see that gift come again in all ray of display of power and glory and dominion and radiance. And we won't ever be able to describe it, but we will have seen face-to-face the indescribable gift of your Son. As we leave this place in just a few moments, keep us safe. Bring us back Wednesday night for our packing party and next Sunday morning and night for our morning worship services. As we continue to talking about the characters of Christmas. We forever give you the praise, the glory, and the honor that is due your name. In Christ Jesus, our Lord, we pray. People of God together said amen. Amen. As you stand all over the house before we are dismissed, let me remind you of the packing party for those of you who are part of our local family. Uh, let me say, uh, we're so glad to have uh, some of the ladies from the CLM Hannah House that joined us tonight for church. We're always glad when they can come. Can we welcome them tonight as well? And uh, so glad to have them as well. I'm going to ask Brother Randy Erchberger to pray a prayer of benediction over you. Immediately following this prayer, feel free to be dismissed. God bless you. I love you. And we'll see you soon. God bless.